I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. so unbelievable. And hoping that in wrestling with these that we might find some level of pervading truth for our lives. And today's the last week of that series. As I said earlier, God help us. Um, It's Trinity Sunday and um, maybe that doesn't mean anything to you really, but um, it's incredibly, um, uh, it makes pastors very nervous because it's the day of the year where all of us have to get up and like clamor to figure out what to say, like what does this mean, that, that God is one and Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I mean, what um, what is Trinity? 
like what does the father do what what does the son do what is up with this holy spirit character and like what do they all have to do with one another and why in the world are we asked to believe this <laughs> as christians so today is trinity sunday and as you know i've prepared you a little bit as a congregation to know this that that us christians we we mark time throughout the year by commemorating big events between God and humanity. And so and normally these events, you, you would know them. We remember things like Jesus coming in the form of a human on Christmas. That's, we commemorate it with the Feast of Christmas. We remember Jesus riding in on a donkey, and we commemorate it as the Feast of Palm Sunday, the Feast of Palms. Um, we remember that kind of smell of, of fresh, fresh baked bread and, and the scent of wine and Jesus sitting down at the table with his disciples for the very last time. And, but there's something weird about this day, because y'all get the rest. They're, they're all commemorating events that happened, but it's very strange to be asked to celebrate something that is not an event this is a this is a belief it's not it's not an anniversary every year of, of Jesus um, rising again and and the empty tomb it, it is I'm asking you to celebrate a doctrine and that's strange and not only is that strange but then I'm asking you to celebrate a doctrine that God is both three and one triune that's strange. Let me tell you, it's strange for me too. I remember distinctly when I was in high school, a pastor gave a sermon where he put a photo up on the screen behind me and, uh, and he said, it was a photo of like a rolling river. And he said, um, Trinity is like water. It's three parts. You see, you have water and you have ice and you have steam. And they all have different functions, but they're all the same matter. And I thought, okay, okay. Trinity is like water, got it. And then I went off to seminary and one of my very first classes, the professor began teaching us about the Trinity. And he said, now some people are going to try to explain Trinity in a metaphor. Trinity is like water or Trinity's like fire, or Trinity's like watermelon, or Trinity's like a three-leaf three clover. Whatever you do, he said, do not use metaphors to explain the Trinity. <laughs> and I thought, okay, so Trinity is not like water then. Okay, got it. But, but if we're honest, like Alyssa said, we use these things, similes and metaphors, to try to make sense of what is impossible to make sense of. It's the way our human minds work. And there's this explaining and then yet not explaining fully. And it just makes my job as the preacher very difficult. Trinity as Father, Son, Holy Spirit it is like this, but it's not like that. And it's, and it's like this, but it's not like that. That's heretical. And and it's just really tricky. <laughs> and it seems like, it's like we come to this day and we're trying to whip up a job description on this God's performance review day. And so I would like for a second to pause and say, we're not gonna talk about what Trinity is. 
because I don't think we can fully ever talk about that. It's a mystery. That's what it's meant to be. In fact, when I go up before ordination, for my ordination interviews, and they ask me to talk about Trinity, what they want to hear come out of my mouth is, it's a mystery. They don't want to hear me try to explain it because it just makes me sound really arrogant, right? Who, do, who am I to know what this is? So instead of talking about what Trinity is, today I would like to talk about how Trinity behaves. And maybe, maybe as we begin understanding how Trinity behaves, we might find ourselves behaving in that story as well. The best way for me to enter into this mystery is by thinking of those old couples, you all know them, those old couples in life who have been together for so long that they begin to look alike. Do you know them? You may be them. That's cool. Totally fine. Even Hallmark cards talk about this now, about those couples who have been together so long that they just start looking alike. Some people begin looking like their pets, right? You have a pet for long enough and now you somehow begin to resemble your dog or your cat. You know what I'm talking about. This phenomenon, when people spend so much time together, have been together for so long that they just look like one another. In my life, I remember this vividly and Dan and Dolores is a church in, in Snow Camp, North Carolina. There is no Snow Camp on the map of North Carolina that tells you how small this town is. And this couple, I think, embodied this more than anyone else. When I met Dan and Dolores, they had been married for 75 years already. And I knew them for an additional three years um, while I was in the area. And they just looked like twins. I mean, it was the first thing you noticed about them. They just looked like twins. They seemed to wear the exact same color outfits every day, same facial expressions, same facial um, features even now. They, they seem to fall asleep at the exact same time in my sermon every single week. And they were just out, just out. <laughs> they were on the exact same page all the time. And that was the first thing that struck me about Dan and Dolores. They looked alike, but, but if you hung out with them for a while, you got this extra level of depth there um, that could capture your heart more so than, than your eyes were captured in the beginning. They, they just cared for each other seamlessly they they communicated on every level that was deeper than anything I had ever seen and honestly since since then anything I've ever seen every time I would go over to their house to see them they would insist on walking me out to my car when the time was over I don't know why people do they insist on walking all the way down the driveway I guess like you can't trust a pastor to leave on their own like <laughs> but they would they're walking me down the driveway and Every time, Dolores would instinctively grab Dan's hand right as he approached that same lump on the, on the concrete that he tripped over every single time he walked down the driveway. And he didn't have to say a thing. She just kind of grabbed his hand because she knew. And, and Dan, he opened every door for Dolores, every door. And it may, may have started out at one point in their life as this chivalrous act, but, but now it was out of necessity because... Dolores's hands had become so gnarled with arthritis that she couldn't turn doorknobs anymore. And he knew that, and, and he, he didn't have to say a word. He just reached out and grabbed the doorknob for her. 
And if you ate dinner with them, there was hardly ever a word spoken at the table. They, they didn't need to. The salad bowl was passed and the, the, the drinks were poured without ever saying a word. And it was just like clockwork, like meeting each other, like so easily. And after walking together for 75 years, that they, they could finish each other's sentences and stories because they had been in every story that they would tell. And the two had become completely one. This doesn't just happen in marriages. This also happens in, in friendships or, or in sibling relationships. Siblings obviously look alike, but, but their mannerisms begin to take on the same as well. Um, Sam and Randall were, um, were two men that I knew in a previous church and they had coffee together. They were good friends. They had coffee together every Monday, like clockwork for 40 years. They had been having Monday coffee together. They had been through the birth of children and divorces and, and the birth of grandchildren and they had been through Sam's wife's death. And after that much a relational time together, they, they just began to laugh at the same things and tell the same stories. And, and every year when February rolled around and, and Sam just started crying on the anniversary of his wife's death, you know, Randall didn't have to ask. He just knew. He knew I'd just buy him a coffee and sit with you. That, that was all that was required. And it's this kind of relational communion, this sort of communication that happens on a level that just is almost impossible and comes with incredible time. I, I bring that up today as we conclude our series on kind of the unbelievable things of Christian faith with the doctrine of the Trinity, because the only way, the only way that we can understand what the church is saying when we talk about Trinity is that we're talking about relationship. That's all we know how to explain it as. God says, St. Augustine is in relationship with God's self. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and it was created out of this divine relationship. God in relationship with God's self is the very essence of creation, the mystics of the early church say. We see it all through Genesis too. Remember that really odd phrase in Genesis 1? At, at, at the dawn of creation, God speaking to God's self. God speaks to God's self. Let us make mankind, humankind, inclusive language, let us make humankind in our image. Did you hear that? God singular, let us plural, make humankind in our plural image. Within God's self is both singularity of purpose and person and plurality in relationship. And we're asked to believe this. And it's that relationship that creation is birthed from. You and I are birthed from. And the saints tell us that's why we need relationship. Like, like water and food. That's why we need it. We need food, we need water, and we crave relationship. And Jesus, talking to the Holy Spirit, said something that sounds pretty familiar to this. Last week we celebrated Pentecost and Jesus is talking about the Holy Spirit and says, the Spirit will rain down on you and whenever this happens, 
the Spirit will speak whatever he hears the Father say. Jesus says the Spirit won't speak on his own accord. He doesn't speak for himself. He communicates with God. He communicates with the Father in a way where the Spirit only speaks on God's behalf. So Jesus even uses, to talk about Trinity, which is not a word you find in the Bible anywhere, Jesus, to talk about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, uses words of communication, of speak, of listen, hear. When talking about the essence of who God is, the one with whom we are invited into this kind of relationship too, Jesus uses the word communication. That's why um, St. Augustine first named this table, he's the first one to call it communion. Do you notice the connection between the word communion and the word communication? It comes from the Latin word communicatio. Augustine looked at the table here and described this as communicatio, which means to speak, to share, to impart, to give. It's in this place that God not only shares God's self with us, but communicates to us everything we need to know about God and about who we are as a part of this creation God's placed us in. Communicatio, where we are invited into communing with the very one who spoke us into being. This, St. Augustine says, is the communicatio of God. And now we know that when communicatio stops, relationships begin to break down right we all have relationships in our lives for whatever reason communication just stopped and relationship began to die this has actually been studied by sociologists who who study this sort of thing and in germany just a few years ago one sociologist studied relationships that just petered off nothing nothing big happened but just they just dwindled away and there's this pattern in relationships for the first two years of a, of a marriage, generally speaking, a couple spends about two minutes a day talking in the morning and about 20 minutes at night talking before going to bed. By six years of marriage, chances are it's gone down to about 10 minutes a day of communication. By the eighth year, these relationships that just lose their communion by the eighth year, there's total speechlessness in relationships, total silence. Relationships hang on this kind of communicatio, imparting yourself and receiving that which your partner imparts to you. And our relationship with God is no different. When we cease to receive from God and when we cease to share with God, our relationship with God can quickly peter off and dry up. And what the church is saying when we say things like Trinity is that relationship with God and neighbor and the world is a matter of life and death. Did you hear that? And we're invited to join in relationship with God until we start to favor God until we start to know God so deeply that we start to look like God. The goal and the hope 
of the faith is that we will keep encountering this divine communicatio, this divine communication, communion, choosing over and over and over again opportunities to encounter this divine communion until we start to sort of look like one another, until we start to favor God. You know, people do that. They, you keep hanging out with them. You keep hanging out with the same people long enough, and you start to, to look like them. That's what church is for, right? You keep hanging out with the same people long enough, and you start to look like them, act like them, take on the same, same things they love, the same things they hate, the same things that make their heart come alive. In your bulletin, you have a picture. I'd like you to pull it out. So this is an icon. Um, and if you were in a Greek Orthodox setting, um, or any Orthodox setting, let's say the Russian Orthodox, if you were in an Orthodox um, setting, uh, somebody has it around you. Maybe share if you don't have one. There were a couple more. Um, it'd be good for everybody to have. Um, maybe pass one back if you can share with a neighbor. Um, so in, a, in an Orthodox setting, um, this this is something that you uh, you use to help you understand who God is. They don't pray to it. It's a window into who God is. Um, and so this morning, I'm not going to ask you to do that. But what I'd like you to do is take a look at it. It's, it's Rublev's 15th century painting of the Holy Trinity. Has anybody seen this before? Maybe a few people? Okay. So there's a few things I want you to take note in this picture. Um, first, note that all members of the Trinity just sort of favor each other. They, they're, it's kind of hard to figure out where one begins and the other ends in this picture. They're also all inclined toward one another. You notice that they're in this kind of seamless communication with one another. They're sharing the very essence of life together. They're sharing the very essence of themselves together. They're giving and receiving in perfect communion together. At the base of the table is the square. Do you see it? In the, in the table, there's a square. There are a couple of theories about this, um, why there's a square in the base of the table and all that, um, a couple of theories. So one is that this is a hole through the table. Picture chariots and sacred chests and the Ark of the Covenant being, you put a hole through it and you put it on your shoulder and they carry it. That's one thought that, that Rublev could have been thinking of a hole through this table. Um, and from that theory, you can it, it suggests that this communion, this communication that we're invited into in this weird Trinitarian belief, it, it doesn't stop here, it doesn't stop at this table, but that we are asked to put a pole through it, lift it onto our shoulder and carry it into the world everywhere we go, carrying this communion into the world. There's another theory though. This one I like better. I like the other one too. The other theory is that this is a mirror. Certain versions of it looks like there's more of a reflection than there is a hole. It depends on which, which version you see. Some say it's a mirror. If you'll notice, there are three people 
three persons sitting around this table and there's one side that's open. If this is a mirror, it's reflecting back to you your own reflection and saying, there's a place at this table for you. That what Trinity offers to us is not some weird thing to believe, not some, some doctrine that we can't get emotionally involved in. It's a relationship between the persons within the essence of God and then we've been invited into that relationship. That God and God's very self is relational and therefore that's why God invites you to be a part of God's life. You can hold on to this if you'd like. Until, until you too begin to look like Trinity, until you too begin to favor God, God's gonna continue pulling out the seat at the table for you. Until you can't see this little hole anymore because it's replaced by a person. A person who can sit down at the table with God because God's not one person. God's already created a feast with, with a whole host of guests and you've been invited to come. I know that this was an incredibly heady sermon and thank God for Trinity because that's what it does. But I hope, I hope today, that doesn't move down. Um, I hope today that, that Trinity becomes not something, some, something that you have to believe, but something that you feel God enveloping you into. That it's this, this relationship we can't understand and yet it breeds every relationship we have and every relationship we create in this world because out of God's relationship with God's self, we all were birthed. Let us pray. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we we don't we don't know exactly what that means. We don't we don't know how to, to make sense of it. Are, are, are we are we monotheistic faith? Are we a polytheistic faith? What in the world? And 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 then we're not we just are invited into this weird belief, God. And so we like to distance ourselves from it. That yeah, that's something I believe. And then I move on to the things that make me feel good, the things that make me come alive, the things, the mission and the grace and the love of God that makes sense to me. God, we ask that you would illuminate for us how believing in this is what births the mission and grace and love of God. Everything, every, every relationship we have is birthed out of this. That our God is in relationship from the dawn of creation. God, we feel you today enveloping us into this mysterious concept. We ask that as we begin to grow deeper in relationship with you, into communication with you, as we seek after you, that relationships around us would be birthed and, and it, these, they would just flourish 
but we would find the people in our lives who who were who were meant to create friendship with who were meant to be to be an ear for in times of trouble who were meant to be a hand for in times of need just as you breathed into creation at the beginning and made us in your image May we grow in likeness of you until we, people look at us and we, they can't determine whether, where, where God begins and, and where we end. We pray this all in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Okay, we're gonna try something. She'll just ask us to. <laughs> There's two sections to this song that you just heard. We'll teach it to you, and then we would like to split it into sides. So this side will sing one section, this side will sing another. We'll tell you which one. We'll tell you which one. You don't get to guess. <laughs> so we're gonna sing the chorus: Holy Father, Son, and Spirit. And that'll be this side. You guys. My left. I'll sing with this group. Uh, Ready. Holy Father, Son, and Spirit, Holy Communion, three in one. Listen to this side at all. <laughs> okay, this side, you ready? Hear the verse. Come with your peace, with your invitation. Find us together in holy love. Come with your peace, with your invitation. Find us together in holy love. Everybody. Table.